Welcome to episode 13 of the Throwing Haymakers podcast, and I'm happy to be joined again just by Josh and Matt. No guests for us this week. We're taking a little bit of a break from that. We had a lot of guests on for you over the last few episodes, obviously not last episode, but recently we've had a lot of guests on. So we're taking a little bit of time to, you know, get back to just the boys, get back into the, the swing of things. And uh, we had a very exciting night last night. So we're recording this episode on Wednesday, all right? So the NHL draft is actually still ongoing as we speak. They're getting into the later rounds. But we want to really break down the first few, the action in the first few, particularly the first round. And we're going to break things off by talking about one of the most surprising picks from day one. And that would be that the New York Rangers took Alexi Lafreniere, right? I mean, everyone's shocked by that. <laughs> Obviously not. I mean, we talked about that a few uh, early on. But in all seriousness, though, the biggest surprise was Columbus taking Igor Chinikov. Chinikov? I'm going to butcher some names here. It's fine. Uh, Igor Chinikov from Russia with the 21st pick of the first round. Not very high prospect on a lot of draft boards. So, Matt, you always love talking prospects. Let's get you started on this one. What do you think of Columbus's pick in the first round? Along going along with everyone else and saying I was absolutely shocked by it. You could even tell at the on the faces of the guys up here in Canada and Sportsnet, they're like, how the hell did this guy go in the first round? Um, Chinnikov is an overager. He's a good. He's a good player. He's had a really good start in the KHL. Five goals, I think, in twelve games played um, with Avangard Omsk. He's a, he's a good player. I predicted that he would go in the later rounds, but definitely not a first round pick. You you heard uh, Kek, Yarmo Kekalainen um, say that he thought other teams were gonna go uh, trade up and pick him, and with the twenty first pick, so. I just I don't I don't understand because they said he was in the top ten, but I doubt any other team had him in the top ten just because of me personally and seeing everyone else's opinions on Twitter and all that. I mean, we're not NHL scouts, but everyone was really shocked to hear that he went with the twenty first overall pick. And I just I don't understand. I really don't understand um, their thought process behind it when you have guys like Hendrick Slapier, uh, Maverick Bork, Ozzy Weisblatt. I could go on Connor Zari, Gunler, Justin Barron, Noel Gunler, Brendan Brisson. Like, it's just like the list goes on. You had so many good guys that you could have there. It's still easily best player available. And then they go with Igor Chinnikov. So you better hope that he turns out to be one hell of a player and make everyone eat their words. Because other than that, that's going to be a pick where you look back and say, oh, Columbus could have had him, 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 and him. But instead they went way off the board and selected someone else. Yeah, I mean... Columbus does not have the best history with Russians in the first round. I'm looking at you, Nikita Filatov. Um, but yeah, I mean, Igor Chinikov is not a bad player. He is a guy that deserved to probably be given a flyer sometime in the draft. That's the type of guy you throw a third round pick on or a fourth round pick on like, I don't hate that the guy was picked at all, but why there and exactly the points Matt brought up. And especially in a year like this, where the first round was so heads and tails, just incredible. And you had talents like Noel Gundler, who somehow dropped all the way to Carolina at 41, which is just criminal. Carolina stole some guys in this draft. JJ Paterka, who again somehow made it to the second round. Um, the Brisson, he mentioned, right? And even if you're looking positionally, Chinnikov's a winger. Who else did you have? Ridley Grieg was still there. Brisson, Weisblatt, he mentioned. Even guys um, 
like Sam Colangelo that Anaheim picked later in the second or even going later in the second, Luke Evangelista or Luke, Luke Tuck, Jan, Jan Myshak, for God's sakes. Like, those are the guys you take flyers on in the first round if you don't like the consensus opinion. You take a guy who's maybe viewed as dropping because, well, he's obviously got the skill set, but you're concerned about his development because he hasn't shown the ability to put it all together, which is what a lot of the concern about Myshak was. And that's why he fell all the way to Montreal down there in the second round. So you take a flyer on one of those guys in the first, if you're not happy with whoever the status quo is there. But again, I don't understand how Columbus was fearing that somebody else would take this guy. Well, I think I saw it on Sportsnet. Mike Fuda was on their panel. Great ad. Mike Fuda did not know who this guy was. This guy's been an AGM in the league for how many years? scouting for the Kings for how many years? Plain and simple, just did not know who this guy was. Uh, so it's a really weird pick. Weird pick, don't like it. Don't think it's going to work out. And you, well, like you mentioned, you look at the consensus across the league. You take into consideration that every team has a specific list and they like guys. And you have the opinions of scouts that must have went into Russia and said they really like this guy. But you look at the rankings, like Craig Biden usually is very generous on giving some guys the ranking. He had him at 59. Um, future uh, FC Hockey had him at 214. McKean's Hockey had him at 173rd. And mm -hmm. NHL Central Scouting had him 30th amongst European skaters. So even if you were to divide all of that, it's just at early, earliest, earliest, earliest for that is like second round. And that's even a stretch for me because, yeah, you look at his stats with the Omsky Yastrebi in the MHL last year, he had 69 points in 56 games, which is really good. And he proved that he could have some success at the VHA level, which is the second tier in Russia with three points in two games last year. And he's off the hot start in the KHL this year. But I look at him and speaking with guys that I work with and everything, it was, they were all shocked because you had, like you mentioned, and I mentioned as well, guys that were, are, you know, that are at least going to make an NHL impact. And you don't even know if this guy's going to do it because you had him, most people had him as a sleeper in this, the fifth, sixth or seventh round. And that's someone, if you had, if Columbus had gone out and traded their 21st overall pick and gotten like three draft picks, I'd be surprised if he, like, they could have easily gotten him if they had traded down like Calgary did. Like, I don't, I full on questioned this and you know, he even saw Sam Constantino's face on. It was like, what this guy, like who not supposed to go here. And yeah. it's just like, it's, it, it was very surprising when I was watching it. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really big stretch. Here's my one thing. It's just that, you know, you take Ch Chinnikov, you take Igor Chinnikov with 21. Okay. He might be a guy you like, but like we said, he's not on anyone's boards at least not in the first round selection. So we could come back around, get him even in the second. It's a little bit more reasonable, right? Especially when you have the fact that Hendricks Lapierre went one pick after to Washington. And I understand there's some health concerns there, but when healthy, they were talking about him before, like prior to his severe neck injury, they were talking about him as like a top five, top 10 talent in this draft. So, like I said, I understand the health concerns, but we're talking about a guy who, if he can regain form and get back to, you know, playing his game, he's a top player. 
what does Columbus lack? They lack high-level elite scoring talent. They have some nice pieces. Don't be wrong. They have some nice forwards. But they don't have, ever since losing Panarin to free agency to go to New York, they have lacked that true dynamic offensive weapon that you are afraid to, to try and stop. And if LaPierre develops the way that Washington is now hoping he will, then they've got a pretty good weapon right there. You know, uh, he's played center. So, you know, maybe a potential replacement for Nick Backstrom when he eventually retires. If yeah, Kuznetsov, you... something happens to Kuznetsov. Either way, Look at... Columbus needs that kind of high-level talent. And by passing on LaPierre, they gave up on it. Yeah. You look at Lapierre and he's just, like you said, he set a tournament record. No, that was Perfetti. My bad. Uh, he had a really, really good Helenka Gretzky tournament and he was a consensus, consensus top 10 pick at the time, last September or August. And then he goes down and he gets a serious neck or vertebrae injury and his season is done. He last game he played was in November and he started to fall because that's what happens every year. If someone gets injured and no, no one can watch them. No scouts can go to their games and um, watch them. They're going to drop. And that's what you saw with numerous guys as well. So I think Washington got really good value for him at the 22nd overall pick. And if they, if you pans out like the way they think, um, you'll be uh, starring that one as a st- one of the steals of the draft in a few years from now. Yeah. My thing with Columbus is that well, maybe you weren't going to get that Panarin replacement at that point. I mean, that that would be, right? I mean, no one else really there is going to turn into that. But, you know, with Chinakov, I mean, the guys on the broadcast were saying that, that that was really the first pick that was um, a byproduct of the draft being in October instead of June. That for a lot of the guys being drafted, they're, 2021 season has already started and scouts have been able to get eyes on them and technically in their draft plus one year. So it's been an interesting dynamic there, but this guy, Chinnikov, the only reason he was even on sleeper boards is because of his seven points in 12 games with Omsk this year in the KHL. So it's, it may not be a bad pick, but my thing for Columbus is that it's a straight-up embarrassing pick because this, to me, shows that you've used your first-round pick based off an impression you got from a guy in a 12-game sample size. Not even close <laughs> to enough games. I, I wouldn't go as, as far as to say that he wouldn't have been drafted based off of um, just a sample size this year. There's... That's definitely one of the reasons why he went as high as he did because he's playing top line minutes right. with um, like 22 minutes a game and having Gert Omsk. But like you said, it's it's a, a really big stretch. Everyone was shocked by it. He's going to be a good player. Like watching him, watching a few KHL games over the past few days just to get familiarized with some Russian prospects. He's looked really good. I like the way he transitions to play. He can make plays with the puck. And he definitely fits the style of play that Columbus is looking to do, uh, is looking to continue to play. And I think he'll be a good fit, but you don't, you just, you don't go out and select him with the first round pick. That's, yep. that's far none. Now here's, you know, there's so much to digest 
with everything that's gone on, um, just with the draft, and there are so many interesting picks. Uh, one thing that caught my eye that I would really like to talk about, if we could, um, is obviously one, two, three went how people expected it. I'd like to, if it's okay, spend some time on the four to 10 range here. Four to 10, there were some surprises. Um, So yeah, I'd like to talk about some of the fits there um, because there definitely were some interesting selections and some guys who should have been drafted earlier that weren't. Um, So a guy that, you know, I I really want to hear Matt talk about this is Marco Rossi to Minnesota all the way down at nine. That seems huge to me. Yeah. It's a franchise altering acquisition. Like you look at like Lucas Raymond to Detroit is a match made in heaven just because of their success with sweet Swedish players. Um, I love, love, love that selection. Uh, Jake Sanderson. uh, I wasn't as high on him, but now that I'm seeing it, I think he'll fit well with Ottawa. And I think I can see why they did that. That's a respectable pick for me. Drysdale Anaheim. You need, uh, puck moving defenseman righty that's a rare acquisition and you you scooped up the best defenseman in this draft yeah because they have manson and that's it yeah so uh holtz you got hughes and perfetti uh perfetti uh i was looking at him at 10 you've got hughes and he sure feeding him on the power play he's like right in the slot um where ovechkin is that's his that's where he likes to shoot the puck and he's got the best shot in this draft. And I think the New Jersey devils got a great acquisition for him. Jack Quinn to Buffalo, man. I questioned that as soon as it happened. I don't know why you're selecting Jack Quinn and Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti still on the board. That's a, I know Buffalo's goal hungry. They really are, but Jack Quinn can turn out to be a great player. He had 52 goals and he has one of the highest goal scoring uh, ratios in uh, OHL amongst his age group. I think, in a long time. So he was going to be gone by I'd say 14, but I don't know why you select him. And then Minnesota, like if you're Minnesota and you have Mark, like Marco Rossi's there at nine, you're like, you're crying yourself to sleep at night because you just got your franchise centerman. He's, he's that good. Like he's, yeah, <laughs> he's so good. And uh, he's the first uh, European to ever lead the OHL in scoring. And you don't usually don't see that with CHL import picks and he's, he's gone into Ottawa. He's had a ridiculous few seasons and he's so, so good. And I honest to God think that he's going to be the face of Minnesota, the Minnesota wild for a very long time. And you are walking away, rubbing your hands because that is a highway robbery. Yeah. I, I mean, I, he's so good. He's all around. He's a great player. He's my sleeper pick to make the NHL out of camp next year. Um, I could see, I could honestly see a world where Rossi makes the NHL and Byfield doesn't just out of positional necessity because LA's got Velarde and Anderson Dolan and Turcott, who are all probably more NHL ready than Byfield. And I just don't think Byfield is the space within the Kings organization to make it this year. He certainly will next season in 21 22, but I can see Byfield getting another development year this year. Minnesota needs centers. I mean, they, they, and we can talk about some of the trades later. I'd like to, uh, that happened on day two of the draft. Uh, so Minnesota got a guy who they can use as their number two in Benino. I, I would give, 
it would be ambitious. If you just want to use Rossi for his nine games, do it. I would like to at least see Rossi tried once this year between Kaprizov and Fiala on Minnesota's top line. I'm not saying keep him there all year. I'm not saying force him into it. But I would really like to see him at least get that shot. And if not that, at least see him make the team out of camp. Because you're right. Kid at 120 points in 56 OHL games. He, Lafreniere, is going to make the NHL. I think Stutzel makes it with Ottawa as well. Um, again, out of a necessity for roster players. Um, Rossi could be a big deal here uh, for Minnesota. He is the skill guy that they have not had since Gabrick. And that's been, what, 10 years since Gabrick was an effective player for Minnesota. Um, and he's the number one center that, all due respect to Miko Koivu, Minnesota has never had. Um, so it is a franchise-altering selection for them at nine that I don't think they were really expecting to have. Um, the guys I was going to look at there uh, for Minnesota were probably, I mean, maybe Lundell, um, maybe Lindell Lindell. I Florida walked away with him. I'm super yeah. happy with that pick for them. I was looking Perfetti, if he's still there Perfetti, If he was still there, I was looking at possibly, um, maybe Sanderson Holtz, uh, Sanderson, uh, Gunler. Maybe that would have been a reach. Um, at nine, but you know, those are the guys I was looking at Rossi. I was full expecting, you know, if Ottawa wasn't going to use him with one of his picks, I didn't see how Anaheim could pass Rossi up on a get replacement. Um, now they took Drysdale, which was, it filled a need for them as much as Rossi would have. So I don't hate, I don't hate the pick for them either. I mean, that's just the thing. Obviously, Marco Rossi is going to turn out to be a better player than Jake Sanderson. But it settles, it, it, it's part of this age-old debate in that, well, this early in the draft, do you draft positionally or do you take the best player available? I mean, it, sometimes it makes sense. Look at how Kotkaniemi's turned out for Montreal. Kotkaniemi filled a need for them. And I guess it all really depends on how quickly you want to contend Ottawa is nowhere close I thought they made an odd decision by drafting positionally with Sanderson Sanderson is a good player and he filled a need for them and he's going to fit exactly like Matt said Sanderson's going to fit really well with that Ottawa team but there were better players there in Rossi and Perfetti and Holtz and Drysdale so it it just depends on how you want to draft and how you view the future of your team. Minnesota got lucky. Rossi should not have been there at nine. He is going to be way better than the ninth best player in this draft. The only team out of the top eight above him, though, who I really think botched it, was Buffalo with Quinn. Matt, Matt was totally right. Yeah, they need scorers on the wing. But scorers on the wing are guys you can pick like pennies in free agency legit centers not so much eric Stahl is not going to be around forever uh and rossi's a guy that can play center or wing so i didn't get i didn't get quinn i didn't get it because you can get 
You know, a good comparable, I mean, not necessarily for a guy like Quinn is Mike Hoffman, just because, you know, Jack Quinn is not a play driver. He's a goal scorer. He benefits off his line mates. Um, and so unless you're planning this to, you know, supplant Olofsson and Reinhardt and stick this guy with Eichel, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how Cousins develops. But, right, like, why do you not take the guy who is the better player and fills the need as well? You have your number two center of the future right there. Right. He was, if, he, if Cousins is not, you have your Cousins insurance policy. I, and yeah. Roxy can play on the wing if you need him to. I put cousins can play. I I think I put cousins on Rossi's wing, right? That too. So, So, yeah, I just, I look at it and again, another, a few teams that I was like, I don't, I don't understand why you're doing this, especially with a draft that is, I'd argue the deepest since 2015 with McDavid, you're going to look back on this draft and you're going to say, great player, great player, great player, great player, like all down the list. It's going to be like, it's going to alter some franchises like as soon as next year. And just looking at the, at the list, when you said nine and you got Rossi there, if you had told me that Rossi was going to still be on the board at nine, I'd say you're full of it because I had him going in the five to seven range. I thought if he was still there, they were just going to scoop him off, but then with Drysdale solid pick for them and the, the domino effect for some teams making some questionable picks resulted in other teams being able to, scoop in there and select a franchise altering player and they're going to reap the benefits. And those other teams are going to either do equally as well with those players. And we're going to be biting our words, or we're going to be looking at them and laughing because they had a chance to select that certain player and they didn't. Um, You know, if, you know, we have to look at those last three picks there, right? If we're going by the philosophy that we should be drafting based off fit, uh, I would have liked to have seen, you know, I, I don't mind any of the top seven picks at all. Uh, and I like Perfetti to Winnipeg too. They have their number two center of the future to replace Little, who unfortunately is probably done for his career. Uh, and Winnipeg doesn't really have any other guys. Um, so that's an important pick for them. But if there was a team that should have probably picked Quinn in the top 10, if Quinn had to go in the top 10, which I don't think he should have, but Winnipeg is the most logical fit out of those guys because they have Shifley and they have a clear spot for him because Wheeler's not going to be around forever. And line a is evidently not going to be around past this season. So, um, Quinn would have fit there with Shifley for sure. Uh, and Perfetti would have been a lesser Rossi for Minnesota. I wouldn't have minded if, Minnesota got Perfetti either. But Rossi is a high, high caliber player who is going to be their number one center going into 21-22 for sure. Maybe not this year. I say he makes the team out of camp, but we'll see. It's a great pick for Minnesota, and we'll see what happens. So for the rest of the first round, I really like the Askarov pick. Uh, Nashville definitely got one of the best goaltending prospects since Carey Price and definitely have their future in that solidified. Anton Lindell uh, to Florida is a great pick. He's a very safe, reliable center, and he's a guy that models his game after Alexander Barkov. Uh, I grew up idolizing him, so I really like that pick. Of course, Carolina chooses a guy that I wanted the Leafs to have at 15 with Seth Jarvis. Um, 
going to be a great player, really helped the Portland Winterhawks um, become one of the best teams in the WHL. Dylan Holloway to the Edmonton Oilers makes sense. He's a great pick. Grew up in Calgary. I really like that, although he struggled a bit with in his freshman season at Wisconsin. Um, it's hard to argue um, that he's definitely deserving of a first-round pick. The Leafs, Brody and Amaroff. I was really happy with that selection. I didn't want them to select Braden Schneider, although a lot of people say we need help. We need help on defense. You're selecting this guy for the future. You're not selecting them right now. So that's someone who I really like watching him play with Ufa in the KHL. The last few games, he's really shown that he can drive, he can drive a line. He can set up his teammates. He has a great shot. So that's someone that the least fits the mold of the least really well, small skilled, really like that pick. Caden Gooley to Montreal was, I guess you could say one of the more questionable picks in the first round, just because of the amount of talent that you still have there. But Bergevin wanted a defenseman and he got that in Gooley. He's good. He's big six foot four. He's reliable. So I guess as a Montreal fan, you, you don't mind that pick Lucas Reichel again to Chicago. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that he would go at 17. I would have guessed he'd gone um, late twenties or maybe even the start of the second round, but a solid pick nonetheless. Um, Dawson Mercer at 18 for New Jersey. Really, really like that pick. Great player um, playing for Drummondville. I think he's going to be a really solid player. Braden Schneider at 19, Rangers traded up. Uh, I think, I guess they see something in him that I don't really see in him. He's, he's going to, he's a good defender. He's big. He likes to use his body, but again, you traded up for him. You, I hope he pans out for him. Shakir Mukamadulin, uh, that was a very questionable pick for me just because I had him going in uh, the start of the second round, probably around the 35 range, just to be safe. He is a project. He's gotten off to a great start in the KHL. That's He's one of the bigger risers in, um, or benefactors of the 2020-21 season starting in a few leagues. A guy that could turn out, he's a He's good defensively. He's good at using his body, but so I wouldn't have gone 20 there. We already talked about Chinnikov and Lapierre. Forster to Philadelphia, great goal scorer. Really solid season with the Barry Colts. So a guy that I really like. Connor Zari, you got to give, you got to get it to the Flames. They traded back twice and they still got their guy and they managed to collect more assets. So I like that pick for them. Really solid center with Cam Loops. Um, and, you know, that trade for, Calgary getting Zary is kind of huge. You know, like you said, collecting other assets in the process. Calgary is very clearly headed for a rebuilding phase. Um, you know, getting bounced by Dallas early this year was kind of of a sign from them. There's been a lot of talk of trading Johnny Gaudreau. So it's looking like Tuchuk is going to be the new face of the franchise heading into a new era. So the fact that they're able to get, like you said, get their guy Connor Zary late in the first round after trading back to collect more assets – Really great sign of things to come for the Flames. Like I said, you trade back twice, you still get your guy. That's a win for your organization. He's a guy that can, like you said, if Goudreau and Monahan leave, he's a guy that can maybe develop into a first first line center. I'd be more lenient to put him on that pretty good second line center, but not a yeah. great player nonetheless. That's that that is the one thing that kind of makes me cringe about the Zeri pick. He's a great player, but he is exactly the trap they've fallen into is Sean Monahan, right? Where Monahan is could be capable as a first line center, but on a really good team, he's your two C. Um, so I just feel like 
Calgary hasn't shown the ability to manage a player like that. So, I mean, I like the pick all things considered, especially in the twenties. And as you brought up the asset management from tree living there was spectacular. I mean, you got like three picks in return for moving down six spots. I think it was, and you still got your guy who you could have picked at 18 and no one would have batted an eye. Um, So, I mean, it's a good pick all things considered if they can develop and utilize them correctly in the future, which is an if in my eyes, knowing that organization. And Calgary moved back five spots from 19 to 24. So I was just going to finish off the first round. Justin Barron just fits the Colorado avalanche, another puck moving defenseman who really showed that he could be one of the top defensemen in a few years from this draft with guys like Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, just, he's going to go in there and fit right in Jake neighbors to St. Louis a guy that I didn't really have going in the first round, probably around 40 or something. Uh, Jake Neighbors is a guy that um, I didn't think would go in the first round. I really liked him in the second round. I think he would have been a safe pick around 40, but he's a guy that fits the mold in St. Louis. So I really like him on Edmonton uh, from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, one of the, the draft picks I did question, though, uh, a lot of people did like Jacob Pro at 27, but it's the pace of play and it's his effort that a lot of people question. He, um, don't, don't get me wrong. He's really, really good on Sarnia. I really like him, but it's the pace of play that has many people questioning or wanting more from him. And I think if Anaheim can get that out of him, that's going to be a really good pick in a few years. Uh, Ridley Gregg, I personally did not have him going in the first round. Uh, Ottawa gets another guy that they think uh, fits their mold really well. You can clearly tell that from this draft, they're trying to go for, um, guys that fit them. Um, they're, what they're looking to do as an organization well and not having a bunch of guys that don't get along as witnessed with the whole Hoffman and uh, Carlson debacle, but that's in the past and this is uh, the present and the future. Uh, Brendan Brisson, I like for Vegas, uh, longtime son of longtime NHL agent, Pat Brisson. Uh, there was an awesome story last night that said Sidney Crosby babysat him when his dad <laughs> had to go and do something. So I really liked it's, it's a person. It's really nice to hear a personable story about someone. And I really like that touch and it's close to home. I think you grew up in California. So Vegas is not far from there. So it'll be nice to see um, if you're his dad, it's, it's going to be nice to see him being able to catch a few games down there. I was going to say on the topic of, you know, personality fit fits and, you know, probably the most caring and Best gesture of uh, that night, I thought, was the last pick with the Sharks and Ozzy Weissblatt, who I know you're going to talk more about in a second here. Uh, But I I just want to give a shout-out to that organization, especially Doug Wilson Jr., uh, for signing the pick. Uh, His mother is deaf, um, very close to home for Ozzy and that family. So that was just an amazing gesture, I thought, to, you know, sign the pick and just, you know, show that show that stand of respect uh and accessibility uh so i thought it was a great gesture and not weissblatt's a great kid too 70 points in 64 games with prince albert uh so don't mind the pick there so yeah yeah i was i like you said josh it was an awesome gesture um i was like i had first question i thought i didn't know what he was doing but as soon as i saw that his mother was up i'm like oh that makes a lot of sense and you saw it by their family reaction they were all like yeah like yeah, I'm um, going back right back to him and just jumping up and down. That was an awesome gesture that San Jose is going to look the whole Sharks organization and Wiseblatt family is going to look on, look back on in a few years. And it's going to be 
a memory that lives on with them forever. So I really liked, that was a very, very classy move by the San Jose Sharks and uh, kudos to everyone who, uh, who thought of the idea. And then just the last pick Maverick Bork to Dallas really solid selection. I didn't think he'd be there at 30. So uh, the Dallas stars get a really solid playmaker. All right. So we're going to break into Boston a little bit. They didn't have a pick until the second round, their first selection coming at number 58 overall. Not quite sure how you say his last name because I've been told it said Mason Lowry, but it looks like Low Ray. So however you say it, Mason Lowry, Mason Low Ray, whichever one it is, they took him at 58 overall. And he's kind of in a similar situation as Shinnikov for Columbus in terms of he wasn't really a big guy on many people's boards in this going into the second round. Uh, so what, what's your take on Boston taking defensemen from U.S. national development team? Can I go first? All right, go ahead, Josh. Mason, I mean, this, uh, again, this isn't even a pick you make. Uh, he hadn't played yet this year. So, I mean, this is really a pick you're making based on what you saw. Uh, so most people do not have this guy even being drafted. Igor Chinnikov was at least on some lists. Mason Laurie was ranked 132nd among North American skaters. North American skaters by Central Scouting. That means you should not be getting drafted, effectively, according to the NHL. Look, the guy's big. He's 6'4", over 200 pounds. 19-year-old from Verona, Wisconsin, good old American boy. It is just such a boys boys club pick to me. Um, Was okay in high school. Like, legit, just okay in high school. Did nothing in the USHL in 18-19, no points. Uh, But had a good season this year in the USHL, 37 points in 48 games. So you could make the argument that this is a breakout year for him that he took a big step in his development or he's 19. He's an overager. He could have been taken last year. Um, or you make the argument that this is a one year wonder for him. Uh, and you just don't have enough to know. This is not the type of guy you waste even a pick on this is a type of guy you give a flyer and free agency in a couple years when he's done with the USHL. I would maybe draft this guy in the seventh round. Still, Chinnikov I at least get because he had some history of success in Russia. Still shouldn't have been taken in the first round, but Chinnikov's a guy who at least probably should have been drafted at some point. He, he was worth a sleeper pick. I'm not even sure that's the case about this guy. I mean... He's a puck move. He's a big puck moving defenseman. Where do I get the idea that Don Sweeney maybe has a bit of a hard on for these guys, right? Like it's just, he's committed to Ohio state for 21, 22. So he's not even going to play NCAA hockey for another two years. He's playing for the green Bay Bay Graham. That's a tough one. Green Bay. Gamblers, the USHL. 
Again, 37 points in 48 games. Not bad. Uh, but when you consider that he didn't really do anything in high school and had nothing the year before on the USHL as an 18-year-old, when you're playing in a league of a lot of 18-year-olds, that's not exactly young for that league. Um, it's a really disappointing pick by the Bruins. And especially when you look at the guys who went right after him in Rony Hervinen to Toronto, per se, who also got Topi Niemela five picks later. Imagine if Boston drafted Topi Niemela there and Karpat of the Liga. Say, oh, imagine if Boston had drafted Rask. Oh, wait, they didn't need to. So, uh, you know, Boston's a very good team at making up for their mistakes, but this is definitely a mistake. Hervinen, Cooley, Will Cooley, Whatever. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Will. Uh, you or Sokolov even. You know, there were a couple flyers there in Sokolov and Goncalves. Those are flyers you take in a draft. Donovan Sobrango to Detroit. Also would have liked that pick better. Niemela, uh, Damon Hunt to Minnesota. Ian Moore to Anaheim. Lucas Cormier to Vegas, which was an absolute steal. How did Boston not take Lucas Cormier? Right? Like, I, I just don't get the pick especially when you look at the next five or 60 that were taken that are all decidedly better than him. The only thing that I have to really say about this pick is thank God we see undrafted free agents make it in the NHL all the time because this guy probably shouldn't have been drafted. So, you know, maybe there's a slim chance he turns into something. I'm not going to be five years from now. I'm not going to be as hard as on him as you guys are. Um, from what I've seen of him, I did, I've heard of him before. That's positive. That is a positive to some people. Um, he in no way, shape or form should have gone where he did. Uh, Boston again, like Josh mentioned is probably love him. He's six foot four. He's 201 pounds. Uh, he's a big guy. He can, I don't know. Yeah, typical Boston. Uh, he can move the puck. He has a good shot. He's good at getting it on net. But I don't. I don't make that pick at fifty-eight. And like, you're walking away with uh, just. I'm. I'm. I'm over the moon that the Leafs. They Ottawa trades up to select Tyler Clevin of all people to get Ronnie Hervonen and Topi Namella at fifty-nine and sixty-four. That was a great, great trade. And I am so happy that the Leafs made that because Clevin is a guy that is good. He was, he was pretty good on the uh, national team development program. Uh, he would have been a solid pick, but I think he's closer to 50 or 55 in that range than he is at 44. So it was a bit of a reach for uh, Ottawa to make that. And then Hervonen, another guy who's very skilled. He can move the puck. He's so good at creating space for his line mates. And it's another guy that some people might not have been too high on, but the least take a chance on him and he could pay off. Like, just look at Robertson. Some I, people were like, I don't even want to take a chance on him. And he goes, he's already a steal. He's so, so good. And Niamela as well, that right shot defenseman that everyone coveted. He's those two picks. I absolutely love for the Leafs. Hold on. I'm, I love talking about the draft, and I love hyping up the Leafs. There's one thing I love more than hyping up the Leafs, and that's crapping on the Sabres. This is not draft-related, but I'm just seeing this, and it needs to be brought up. Today was the uh, deadline to qualify your RFAs. 
one person that the Sabres did not qualify was Dominic Cahoon. This is a guy who should have easily been a top six forward on your team next year. Buffalo has cap space. There is absolutely no reason in the next 15 parallel universes to make this decision. None whatsoever. There is no excuse for this. This is terrible asset management. Why in God's name you didn't qualify this guy, I will never understand. I get that this is a gut reaction, but I have a feeling I'm going to wake up a week from now and I'm not going to feel any different after Cahoon has signed an extremely team-friendly deal with Tampa and get 60 points playing with Sorelli because that's what's going to happen. Are they just done trying? I, I, I know this is a draft episode, but I need to say that. Like that is, that, that, that's terrible. That is actually worse than Boston taking Mason Lowry. Like, oh my God. How? How? I don't get that either. We don't need to spend time on this. I just need to say that. It's something I just saw now. Dominic Cahoon is a top six forward who is capable of 50 points. And he's shown it. He showed it in Chicago. He showed it in Pittsburgh. And he showed it in Buffalo. This is not Ottawa not qualifying Anthony Duclair because you expect that from Ottawa. And Duclair, although I do, I am high on him and I think he deserves a shot, Duclair at least has had the consistency issues to go, hmm, maybe I don't want to pay this guy $4 million. Cahoon is a solid bet. Cahoon is a top six forward. You are going to have two great lines and Olofsson, Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner, Stahl, Cahoon, and then middle stack cousins, whoever, blah, yada, 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 get whatever in free agency. Maybe actually be a team that gets over 80 points next season and takes legitimate strides forward. It's one step forward, five steps back with the Sabres. It is, and I'm starting to think that it always will be. Adams made a great move, his first move, uh, uh, Johansson for stall. And what has Buffalo proceeded to do? Draft Jack Quinn at eight and not give a qualifying offer to Dominic Cahoon. Those two moves, in my eyes, completely undo that trade. Wow. <laughs> I'm done. We can go back to talking about the draft. I just needed to get that out. <laughs> just looking back on a few teams that I'd like to give a, few, a mention to. Carolina, they had a great haul today. They really got players in great positions that, honest to God, the last two drafts that they had, I'm probably going to set them up for the next 10 years. The Leafs as well. A lot of players, they had one player, um, I just saw it on Twitter, they had one player in the entire draft that they selected weighing over 177 pounds and eight of nine players are currently playing. So the, the scouts really went out and saw some guys that they liked. An all-around great haul for them. A, a few teams that were questionable as well, just like every other draft. But it, it was a lot of fun to have a, another draft that, especially since the last one was before this pandemic even started last June. So the 2020 draft has been eligible players have been uh, available for a long time. And I think I'm just, I'm finally glad they, um, they have their teams and they can call a place or a city a home and we can move on to the 2021 draft class because that draft class has a bright future as well. Yep. Next up on our little agenda here, we've got big trades that went down today. And the first one we've got to talk about 
is the fact that the Ottawa Senators could have very well just found their goalie of the future as they have traded for Matt Murray. They sent to Pittsburgh uh, prospect Jonathan Gruden and a second round pick uh, in today's draft. So, uh, Josh, let's go to you first. What do you think of Matt Murray heading over to Ottawa, potentially being their franchise goaltender? Yeah, I neither hate nor love it. I think it's a good trade. I don't think Murray is going to have as bad a year as he had. He's a two-time cup champion, and that shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, So I think Ottawa won the trade in terms of value because Gruden is whatever to me, and Pittsburgh gets Joel Blomqvist, who if you were going to take a goalie there, why'd you take him? I didn't get that pick. So the fit doesn't seem right to me in Ottawa. There's something about it. They have young goalies who are ready. I was excited to see Hogberg in an NHL role this year, full-time given the chance. I liked what he brought to the table last year. Evidently, now we're not going to see that. Ottawa's going to roll with the tandem of Murray and Nilsson, which, believe it or not, is not the worst goaltending in the league, thanks to the Sharks' moves this past week, which we didn't even get a chance to talk about on here, I don't think. Uh, and we won't with how busy things are, and that's okay. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of just a meh trade to me. I like it for Ottawa in the sense that I think they, you know, kind of won the trade in terms of the value aspect, um, but don't like the fit. I don't think Murray really adds anything to Ottawa. I think I like Nilsson better as a goalie, honestly. Nilsson was great last year before he got hurt, so we'll see if he's able to repeat that. Um, but that's that's a 50-50 split even in games played, I think. that That's a true platoon tandem Ottawa's going to run next year. But we'll see. I'm glad Pittsburgh was able to dump him. Uh, Jari is their starter next year. Don't mind that. Dismiss a good backup. There's nothing about that trade that makes me go, whoa, or have a really visceral reaction to it. Like, it's just kind of a match trade. I'm on the same boat as – I'm in the same boat as you. I think – it was best for both sides. Murray clearly wanted out of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh has a very solid goalie in Tristan Jari. They like him. They just signed him to a three-year deal. So I really like the deal on Ottawa's part. They go out and get him for a pretty solid rate. Jonathan Gruden doesn't really do much. I mean, he put up 66 points in 59 games for the London Knights. He's a solid prospect. I think it was solid value to get him in the fourth round in 2018, but uh, it's a great, it's a great pick for, it's a great guy for Pittsburgh because they bolster their prospect pipeline. And then yep. they got a very, very good goalie, arguably one top two or top three in this draft with Joel Blomqvist. You do think that very okay. easily be a top starter in a few years. He's definitely okay. raw, but a guy that can be very, very good. Um, and then, yeah, Murray. It's contingent on him signing in Ottawa. I think they'll probably work out a contract extension. But so who knows if they aren't going to qualify yeah. Duclair, right? Yeah. But we'll see. Well, um, yeah. I, I, do, I like the trade. Yeah, so. I do want to say that, like, I, I actually like Murray for Ottawa. I mean, you look at what they've had in the past, and like the past couple seasons, I guess I should say. Not, you know, long term. But in the last couple of seasons, they really they haven't had much. And this really gives them a leg to stand on. Matt Murray is their future goaltender now. You know, they're, they're bringing in a two-time cup champ, so he's a seasoned guy. But he's also young. 
he has quite a bit of time left in front of him. So considering that they're looking at, you know, in, you know, maybe three, four years, starting to turn into a playoff team with some of the picks that they've acquired over the last couple of days, some of the players they've drafted over the last couple of days, you know, this, this could work out for Ottawa. I can't speak on what they gave up because I, I've, I've said it many times before. I, I don't know my prospects as well as either of you do. But as far as bringing in Matt Murray, I do think it was the right move for Ottawa. Uh, if you if you look at, like you said, you got a really solid haul in the draft. You've got a plethora of great young forwards that are going to be here in a few years. Josh Norris, Alex Formanton, Tim Stutzla, just y'all could go on. You got Thomas Shabbat, Tyler Clevin, uh, Jake Sanderson on on the back end. Really Johnny solid. Tyconic, yeah. Jacob Bernard Docker. And we're forgetting yeah. about the, the one on. guy that they already have, Brady Tuchuk. Yeah. Right. So he's they really their need was goalie. And I don't know how much value they place on guys like Joey Decord and Philip Gustafson. Right. They're not guys that scream NHL starter to me. So going out and getting a guy that has proven himself, he did have a rough year in Pittsburgh, but a guy who's 26 still has potential, like Brandon just said, it's a really solid acquisition for Ottawa. And they have, I think they have their goalie at, uh, of the future, if not at least for a few years. Yeah. And and that's the other thing that, you know, as we were talking about this thoughts started to kind of roll in about the Murray fit in Ottawa. I mean, really the only guy they have in that locker room or have in that locker room, they, they had Hainsey who, who knows if he'll be back and they had Anisimov. Like those were two guys that had done it before and maybe, but Murray is still a reliable contributor, which you really can't say anymore about Hainsey or Anisimov. And he's going to be a good voice in that locker room. This is a guy who is uh, probably really motivated to redeem himself after the, I thought, horrible treatment he got in Pittsburgh by fans. Uh, because now he doesn't have Flurry to live up to. I think that was part of it, that Pittsburgh just put a lot of pressure on him. And Ottawa isn't going to do that. I have a feeling Murray might thrive in Ottawa. I hope he does. I like the kid. I feel bad about what Pittsburgh did to him after what he did for the city, winning them two cups. Uh, so I'm excited for Murray. I think it's going to be a good run for him. And also it does allow Ottawa, if they're smart, to play some good asset management here because they've got, again, I said Hogberg. Hogberg's, I think he's an NHL-ready goalie in my eyes. Uh, and there are plenty of teams, cough, cough, Tampa, who are going to be looking to maybe shed McElhaney here because he's making over a mill and, you know, Tampa needs to cut corners everywhere they can in terms of salary cap. And they don't really have a guy in the system who's ready. So do you recoup some assets from Tampa and trade them Hogberg? So Hogberg can be Vasilevsky's backup next year at a cheaper price than McElhaney, right? Like there are things you could do here now because you've added another goal. You're not going to rely on one of your young guys to come in and be an NHL backup. So Ottawa's got a chance here with, uh, and don't forget, they also have Mad Sugard in the system. Uh, he hasn't signed yet, but he's a solid prospect. Uh, so Ottawa's got goalies galore now. They've probably seven or eight in the system. You mentioned Decord and Gustafson. You know, I, I, I think they have NHL potential. They don't scream elite to me, but I certainly think they can be back up someday. Um, so you've got guys you can deal still, which is a good thing to have. 
So I, I don't mind this deal for Ottawa or Pittsburgh, honestly, if, if that's what you think of Blomqvist. I didn't know much about the guy that's encouraging for Pittsburgh that they picked him. Didn't know much about Gruden either, to be honest. I just, I didn't think very highly of either of them, uh, but hearing you talk about him, that's more enlightening for Pittsburgh, I think. Uh, so yeah, good hockey trade all around. And I feel like it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. All right, so the Nashville Predators and Minnesota Wild also hooked up on a trade this morning. Uh, the Minnesota Wild agreed to send Luke Cunin signing rights and a fourth-round pick, which it turned into Adam Willsby for Nashville, in exchange for Nick Bonino and a second-round pick from the New Jersey – that originally came from the New Jersey Devils along with a third-round pick. that turned Those picks turned into Murat Kuznadidov. I, don't, I, I'm, I might have butchered that. I'm sorry if I did. Best I'm going to do for right now, at the very least. And Emil Vero. So, uh, Matt, what do you think of this trade? Do you think Nick Benino is going to do well with the Minnesota Wild? The contract that he signed to is a bit questionable just because of based off of his performance in Pittsburgh and everything. But he can go in there and provide some veteran leadership on a decent Wild team. I wasn't crazy about it. I like the the Cunning deal the other way better just because he's younger and has more potential. I think that was a good solid pickup for Nashville, but I really like the selections that they got out of him because Nutanov is a guy that can go in there and he's going to be a project for a little bit, but a guy that can has potential for the future. And I really like that acquisition. And then Damon Hunt is a guy that um, many people uh, probably haven't heard of him just because of the, he got a cut on his arm and had to miss like 32 games or something. So he was injured for the majority of the season, but another guy that has potential. So I like the trade. I'd like the trade on both sides. Uh, Nashville, Nick Benino needed a change of scenery. He gets a new start in, uh, in Minnesota and Cunning is a guy that I didn't think Minnesota would deal with, uh, would deal away with, but a solid pickup for Nashville. They get a younger uh, player who has a potential. Yeah, uh, I I like this trade. So Minnesota flipped that Vero pick to Detroit. Detroit ended up picking Vero, and Minnesota ended up moving up, picked Damon Hunt. Like I like both the picks Minnesota made out of that. So it it works out to Minnesota getting Benino Kusnutdinov and Damon Hunt. Minnesota cleaned up in that trade, dude. I don't think that's a fair trade at all. I liked Cunning, but I don't really get where he plays in Nashville. Like Nashville just doesn't have the right team to support him. Cunning's underlying numbers aren't very good. So he, he was kind of carried by who he was playing with. I think Cunning's got some room to grow. I still like him. I'm willing to be patient with him. I think he can find a home in Nashville. But Benino, I, I mean, I almost like him better as a number one guy than Marcus Johansson. I might be saying a lot. Uh, but he's a really solid center, uh, was honestly playing like Nashville's two C a lot of last year. And I think he almost led the team in goals or points or something. Uh, Benino's a guy who's been around for a while and he's been great everywhere he's been, whether it's Anaheim or Vancouver or Pittsburgh or Nashville. And now he's going to get another chance in Minnesota. And I think he's going to relish this opportunity. Benino is going to be a real top six player there. And let's look, how old is this guy? Um, I feel like he's at least 29 of not 30. He's 32 actually. 
Um, I don't think there's too much left on his deal. Maybe one year or two. I'm going to look this up real quick. Um, so Minnesota is not, yeah, he's only got one year left at 4.1. Uh, so you're getting basically a guy for a little bit the same as Johansson's cap hit, who I think is better than Marcus Johansson. Um, I still don't love him as a first line center, uh, but if that's the route you choose to go down, it's better than what you had. And, you know, even if it's not the complete fix, anything you can do to at least improve your team here, Minnesota did. Minnesota walked away in this trade. They got two really solid picks and a solid player where Nashville got a solid player and a pick that turned into a guy that I, quite frankly, had never heard of before today. Well, that's not saying much, but I I, I don't know much about him. don't think he's really going to be an impact player. Whereas Minnesota gets Hunt and Kuznutinov, who were both steals at those points, I think. Uh, So... Like what Garen did there. I like what Garen's done the past couple of days. He's redeemed a lot of, you know, the criticism he had received for, you know, acquiring guys like Bugstad and Johansson. So Minnesota stock is trending up a bit here. Rossi, Benino, those are two good ads without really giving up much. Nashville, what are you doing? I mean, I know Nashville's trying to make a run at Taylor Hall here. We'll see, you know. We're doing this before we've recorded our free agency podcast and we're doing it before free agency has happened. So I guess that statement may be irrelevant by the time Friday hits when we record our podcast on Saturday. Um, but we'll see what happens here. I don't really like it for Nashville, and I like it for Minnesota. don't think it's a fair trade. It's not a bad enough trade that's going to make me scream like Minnesota has in the past. And yeah, but it's two decent trades today, I think. All right, so uh, last thing we had was the final trade of the day. The Los Angeles Kings have acquired from the New York Rangers a former first-round draft selection, Elias Anderson, had a hard falling out in New York, and now he's looking to restart his career in Los Angeles. He did go overseas playing really well. I believe it was the SHL, right? Yeah. Yep, so playing in the SHL. Uh, did some really good things over there, and now Los Angeles has traded uh, for his rights. So, uh, Matt, what do you think of the trade? I I like this trade, although it's not a significant trade. Leas Anderson deserved a new opportunity just because the Rangers were clearly not did not see him as part of the future. And I think it's it's nice to see a guy who definitely deserves to be in the NHL get a new shot with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, they have. They're definitely set it on the in down the middle with Quinton Byfield, Turcotte, and all those guys for the future. But to get a center or a winger, he can play either. And Leah Anderson is a very solid trade. Um, they did get one draft pick. I don't really remember where it was. I think it was in a hundred something. So I'd have to look that up. But it's a solid trade for either side. They get rid of someone who they get an asset back for Anderson. He didn't want to be there, so that's solid on the Rangers and. The Kings get a guy who can definitely be a serviceable player and who's proven that he's still an NHL caliber player. Um, he's had a good solid start with the HV 7-1 in the Swedish Hockey League, four points in four games. He was just recently suspended five games for a hit. Um, I don't, I didn't, I saw the hit. I didn't really see why it was five games, but that's a different story. So I like the deal on both sides. I think Anderson could be a solid acquisition for 
um, the, the Kings and the Rangers got someone who they see as part of their future and they selected a player and they added a, a separate draft pick. So I like the, I like the trade for both, both sides. Yeah. Uh, so do I, I mean, the question for me is Anderson is a center and can he get past the 5,000 centers LA already has? It'll be interesting to see. Well. He can. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's going to be interesting to see who out of these guys, LA ends up moving to the wing and can succeed on the wing. Uh, I think Velarde's a candidate for that to move to the wing. Eventually it is generally much easier for a guy who's never played wing in his life to move from center to wing than for a wing who's never played a center in his life to move to the center. Um, so I, it is good to have too many centers. That is a good thing, right? Because you can either move them, move them to the wing and use them there. Cough, cough, Stamkos, cough, cough, Giroux. See, you know, that can help revitalize a guy's career, honestly. Um, or you can trade them because teams will pay out the ass for quality centers. Uh, so LA set themselves set themselves up really well here. The Rangers at least got something for him, which, you know, at least they didn't lose him for nothing, which is sure. Who did the Rangers draft with that pick, by the way? I don't have that pulled up. Uh, looks like they took, oh, they took Will. What's his face that I can't. Oh, they did. Oh, so it wasn't a hundred. I, I, I didn't know when it was, but I thought I guess it was they, 60. I didn't off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Will Cooley. It was, it was, it was Cooley. Yeah. Will. So yeah, that's if I could add something, I, I, I thought it was for some reason, I thought it was the hundredth pick, but yeah, the Rangers got a guy who could definitely fit into their lineup in the, in the near future because he's so, he's a big hulking guy. Who I can see being their third uh, third line center for the future, right? And the guy who so had they a really got solid a guy season in who, Windsor, right? So they got a guy who was probably only ever going to be their third line center, anyways, if he did play for them. For a third line center who's probably going to play for them, so it's a good trade again for both sides. I feel like I've said that a lot today. There were not a whole lot of stupid GMs over the past couple of days. It was interesting to see. So. Glad to look forward to free agency on Friday when all of that gets forgotten and there are no less than 15 incredibly dumb deals made. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for episode 13 of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. Definitely had a great time talking about the draft with you guys. And like I said, we are going to be doing a little bit of a double header this, this week. So tomorrow, so you're listening to this, we're releasing this on Saturday and Sunday we will have our free agency episode available so hope you enjoyed this episode hope you enjoy our next one and we'll be back with you next week Bye.